Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Imagine for a moment that it's the 14th century and you're a monk in a tranquil monastery. The serene sound of your brother's singing echoes through stone vaulted corridors and the smell of medicinal plants growing in the herb garden drifts in through the open window of your cell as you dip your goose feather quill into a pot of coloured ink and trace a fanciful beast into the margins of the manuscript you're illuminating. Take a moment to feel the smooth, warm texture of the manuscript the finest quality, vellum. Welcome to the second Dying Arts episode of the Three Ravens podcast, a series all about heritage crafts and forgotten arts. I'm Eleanor Conlon and I'm getting ready to copy a Latin gospel and my co-host Martin Vaux is sharpening the points of my quills. Hello. How? I think my finger. Now you've probably guessed already from that intro, but today we're going to be discussing parchment and vellum making. Yeah, it's perhaps the most important traditional craft as far as imparting like history and stories goes. It has been pretty crucial to writers across the centuries, yeah. yes. But <laughs> according to the Radcliffe Trust's list of endangered crafts, it's now critically endangered. Whoa. For those who haven't encountered the Radcliffe list, it details how endangered certain traditional crafts are in England today and sorts them into categories. And I'm guessing critically endangered is in the red category? It is. And in the case of parchment and vellum making, that means there are actually just two professionals in the UK and one apprentice practising today. Oh, my goodness. It's a small family business called William Cowley Parchment Makers, which was started in the 1860s in Newport Pagnell in Buckinghamshire. Okay. And their craftsmen learn in a truly traditional way, passing down their skills by word of mouth and training for years to master a craft which still uses techniques and skills which 
haven't changed much for probably more than 2,000 years. Whoa, that is amazing. I wonder if we could visit and see their work. You might well be able to. I would love to see it actually being made. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so Eleanor, please tell me, because I'm not sure I actually know, what is the difference between parchment and vellum? Does one of them involve skin? Um, so both are writing materials made from processed animal skin. Oh, okay. But vellum is made from calf skin, oh. while parchment is made from any other animal. Right, So sheep, okay. goats, donkeys, pigs, horses, camels, you name it. Camels? Camels. Ooh. Vellum is better quality and more highly refined. Uh-huh. And the word comes from the old French word vellin, which means calf skin. And that comes from the Latin vitellinum, meaning made from calf. Okay, so parchment is cruder. Yeah, so it's usually thicker and less highly polished. Right. Apparently, the highest quality vellum was historically made from... This is actually a bit unpleasant. Ooh, go on, tell me, tell me. Well, it was called uterine vellum oh, okay. and was said to have been made from the skins of stillborn or unborn animals or perhaps just very young Ooh, animals. That's so, so definitely not vegan. It isn't. <laughs> Although, interestingly, there is a modern imitation vellum manufactured, which could be called vegan vellum because uh-huh. it's created using rag cotton or tree bark fibres. Okay. Um, and it's actually still more stable than linen paper or paper sheets. So it's actually used quite a lot in architectural plans. Whoa. So I'm guessing that vellum and parchment have kind of mostly evolved into paper these days. Yeah, they've mostly been replaced by paper, but it's really not paper. And its manufacture is definitely not to be confused with traditional paper making. It's actually far superior to paper and lasts a lot longer. And it can also be used for things like drum skins. So it's more versatile. But I'm guessing that it's kind of lost popularity primarily due to the fact that it comes from an animal source and therefore must be more expensive mm, to make. Yeah, and there's certainly questions to be asked about ethical sourcing for a lot of the materials involved in heritage crafts in general. But actually, it can be pretty sustainable, especially if the animal materials used are a byproduct of meat and dairy production. So animals aren't being slaughtered exclusively for their skin or the shell or horn or feathers or whatever. Yeah, yeah, using every part of the animal. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Um, So you alluded to vellum and parchment making being more than 2,000 years old. I mean, this is obviously very tantalising. Tell me about its history. Well, it's been used for so long that it's almost impossible to overstate its significance in documenting humanity's time on Earth. Okay, great. So according to Pliny in his Natural History, this kind of writing material was invented during the reign of Eumenes I of Pergamum, which was an important Greek city in what's now Turkey. It was supposedly invented as a replacement for papyrus, which is a writing material made from plant fibre, due to supply chain issues. Oh, okay, so necessity being the yeah, well, papyrus was only made in Alexandria at the time, ah. and they stopped exporting it because of a shortage of a certain variety of reed that was okay. used to make it. So Eumenes and co. had to get creative. Alexandria, obviously famous for the Great Library oh, of Alexandria. Moment of silence for that, please. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. But actually, they set up a rival library in Pergamum. Did they? Yeah. Well, basically, papyrus kind of priced itself out of the market because ah. the reed used to make it was over-harvested right, in the you? area it grew specifically. Okay. 
Okay. So vellum and parchment were increasingly used. And so do we have like an earliest recorded use of vellum? <laughs> Not really. The ancient Babylonians and the ancient Assyrians wrote on parchment and vellum from the 6th century BC onward, we okay. know, as well as on cuneiform tablets. Right. And some Egyptian 4th dynasty texts were written on them too. So it's very, very old. Yeah, very, very old. And I guess it was heavily used in the Middle Ages, especially for religious texts. Yeah, parchment probably had its heyday then. Although it's never actually stopped being used totally. Cool. Calfskin and sheepskin were the most commonly used materials in the Middle Ages in England. Although skins ranging from horses to squirrels were also used. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to get many pages out of a squirrel. No, very small pocket notebook, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> now, a lot of the surviving books you can see today in museums and when you go and visit, you know, and look at all the ancient, ancient texts, they are all made of vellum, aren't they? Yeah, which speaks to its longevity. Yeah. There is an amazing fourth century Bible in the British Library made of vellum. Oh. And the pages apparently are still easy to turn and quite flexible that's so amazing you kind of wonder why its popularity fell well it's the rise of the printing press in the late 15th century i'm afraid yeah demand just exceeded supply and manufacture time Mm. and at the same time new techniques in paper milling were being pioneered so it was much cheaper quicker to produce and the materials were abundant yeah but they were used interchangeably at that time so there are copies of the gutenberg bible for example printed on paper and some are printed on animal skins see i find this very interesting because from like a theory of writing perspective if you're going to set a pen onto an expensive piece of paper, it's going to change how you think about the act of writing. Yeah. Right? So vellum, if you've got some, you've bought some, it's expensive, it's special. You're going to make sure that what you do is as special as the material you're mm-hmm. writing on. And I think one of the consequences we have with digital writing and typing is we don't really care. Like, there's an infinite space for us to write and our words are sort of meaningless. <laughs> so we just yeah. sum we, them out. We don't even really need writing materials. No. You know, I'm, I'm, my notes are on a tablet right yeah, now, yeah, aren't yeah. they? <laughs> yeah, you're scrolling through. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, scrolling through a digital scroll. And obviously, it, it seems in no doubt that the skins are a better quality way of maintaining your writing, right? Yeah, and, and the feelings seem to be at the time that both were good, but vellum was better. Yes. In 1490, a chap called Johannes Trithemius wrote that handwriting on skin will be able to endure a thousand years years but how long will printing last which is dependent on paper or if it lasts for 200 years that is a long time yes so it will last a very long time unless of course julius caesar in the siege of alexandria decides to i don't know set fire to your entire library yep neither parchment or paper will withstand that (laughs) (laughs) so if we wanted to recreate our 14th century monastery obviously we'd have to get rid of you eleanor because you're a woman and and you need to leave Um, (laughs) but where would i start with making my own vellum and parchment well so once you've flayed the skin from whichever animal you're going to use Uh be it horse squirrel (laughs) etc you need to soak it in water to remove any blood or dirt yeah then it's soaked again in a kind of hair removal liquid I suppose Ooh. which could be made from fermented vegetable matter Ooh, but stinky. by the middle ages it included lime uh, okay because that can also be quite um, bad for your skin yeah very well. corrosive yeah. so these days the liquid they use is likely to include sodium sulphide right, okay. and all of this was designed to help ease the hairs out of the skin and they might be helped along by using a two handled knife as well called a scudder which is a little bit like a mezzaluna blade Ooh. if you've ever used one of those to chop herbs alright so 
So what happens once you've got your skin dolphin smooth and hairless? Well, then you need to stretch it out on a frame so it's nice and taut. Okay. So if you if you think um, what's in a, a parchment making workshop, you'll probably picture a stretched out skin on one of those frames. Yeah, okay. And it's scraped again to remove any of the last remaining bits of hair and also to get the skin down to an even thickness. Right, so the really aim is to get an even thickness all the way mm-hmm. across. Because skin is almost entirely composed of collagen, as we know from you know skincare is always saying, "Oh, this is collagen boosting," yeah, yeah, yeah. or "This is this is a great ingredient for collagen." That kind of acts as a natural glue. Right. Collagen has a lot of elasticity, so when the wet skins dry, they keep the stretched out form. Yeah, I've got to say, like this hair removal and resurfacing. It does make the whole thing sound like an expensive skincare treatment. Well, it's really, really similar. <laughs> so it was even sometimes exfoliated with no, pumice powder, way. yeah, to make it really, really smooth so inks could penetrate more deeply. Uh-huh. So really like the principles of modern facial skincare as they exfoliate to make the ingredients penetrate. Amazing. Page 287, it's drying out a bit. Get the E45. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so our skin for our vellum has now been made hairless and smooth. Is it ready for makeup to be applied? Are we lipsticking it now? Well, kind of. Um, <laughs> paste, sometimes called starch grain or staunch grain and made from lime, flour, egg whites and milk yeah. were rubbed into the skin to make them smooth and white. And um, there are also records of craftspeople applying coloured tints to parchments so they could actually be a variety of colours including purple, indigo, green, red and peach. Oh my goodness. I would love to see some purple parchment. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. I imagine that's faded mm. um, over time. Oh, there's another really interesting fact about vellum and parchments I want to share as well. Have you ever heard of a palimpsest? I've heard the word deployed in literature, but I have no idea what it really means. That's oh, really cool. So between the 7th and 9th centuries, many parchments were actually recycled. Okay. So they'd be scrubbed and scoured to remove them of whatever had been written yeah. on them and then reused. But the early writing can sometimes still be read because the inks oh, have penetrated so deeply. Cool. And those are called palimpsests. Whoa. So what about right now? What's vellum and parchment still being used? for today british acts of parliament they are still printed on vellum for archival purposes by william cowley of course well that's awesome well done william cowley um i think i remember actually reading about not long ago a bit of controversy to do with vellum being used for yeah the house of lords wanted to save money by printing legislation on paper instead (sighs) but um, matt hancock actually intervened well in this instance oh yes because he agreed to fund the continued use of vellum from the cabinet office budget and the Heritage Crafts Association actually analysed the figures and worked out that it really wouldn't have been as big a saving as the Lords had originally oh, really? hoped. Anyway, yeah, they, they thought it would save them over £80,000 a year yeah. and it really wouldn't have saved that much. The saving was much less. But some of the scrolls at Buckingham Palace and the letters patent which grant titles to new lords have now been replaced by paper. <sighs> I mean, you might call me old-fashioned and a bit of a fuddy-duddy, but that seems like a bit of a shame to me. I, I mean, one of the things that I think we're all taking for granted is that our digital work is going to endure. But mm. I mean, I remember documents I created when I was a teenager that you can't even open now. You, you know, th- that's like, it because the file type's not supported. File type's <laughs> not su- supported. Document types are not supported. And you know, maybe it's because we just have so much information, so much writing being generated all the time. 
But I, I guess that impermanence of it all, I find quite alarming. And there's something reassuring to me about having the idea of texts that when they are composed, they will last for mm. maybe thousands of years, yes. maybe longer, yeah. so that you can carry important wisdom down and... Not everything is just the same. Not everything is just a document that's stored in the cloud that may or may not be there no, in exactly. 10 years or 15 years' time. And when you think about those religious texts, going back to the idea of the monastery, yeah. they're unique. Of course they are. They're copied. Sure, the words are the same, but the illustrations and the illuminations and the sort of marginalia, they're all different and unique to the person creating them at that moment in time, which is so really special. interesting, yeah. Well, you'll be pleased to hear that the Catholic Church still issues official documents on vellum. Okay. As does the Jewish faith, the Torah in particular, is often printed on vellum. And it is still also used for luxury book binding and in the making of musical instruments like frame drums that will be made from a skin stretched over it. Well, that's fascinating. I mean, I have encountered it only in the making of my family tree. Really? Yeah. So my great grandfather started our family tree and he bought an enormous roll of vellum to write the family tree on. Oh, amazing. And then I inherited it many years later. I'd never met my great-grandfather. Um, and, and yeah, it was very interesting trying to make marks on it because it doesn't behave like paper. You have to treat it in a slightly different way. Really? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, I mean, it's an amazing surface. And also, I guess when you're trying to create something that's intended to be permanent and intended to last, you want something that's really special. And so, yeah, that made that document for certainly me and maybe other members of my family something quite special and sacred and hopefully something that will go down through generations. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So, thank you, Eleanor. And I, for one, am very glad that the tradition continues, although it sounds as though William Cowley could do with a few more apprentices to ensure it carries on for another couple of thousand years. Yes, if you're interested in learning the art, get in touch with them. (laughs) which wonderful craft will we be exploring next time? Well, we're going for one from the endangered category next time. Okay. And it's a craft which is adjacent to my interests, but about which I actually know very little marionette making. Oh, well, as long as you don't string us along too much. Stop that. In the meantime, (laughs) if exclusive content is what you fancy, please consider becoming a patron for only $3 a month or $6 a month at patreon.com forward slash three ravens podcast. Yes, please. We have lots of fun things, including ad-free episodes, text versions of the stories, special Patreon exclusive episodes, including Three Ravens Film Club, and our monthly newsletter with spells, tarot spreads, folk customs and more. If you're enjoying the podcast, and have time to write us a quick review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. Each one really does genuinely make a difference. And if you're a social media raven, we have plenty of chatter on facebook.com forward slash three ravens podcast, Twitter at three ravens pod, and Instagram at three ravens podcast. Until next time, then, while the calfskin pages of our manuscript have gone that way, we'll go this way. And remember, don't whistle until you're out of the woods. Join us next week for a Something Wicked episode all about Elizabeth Bathory, and we'll be back exploring England's historic counties on Monday. Thanks and credit for this episode go to the Heritage Crafts site, William Cowley Parchment Makers, and the New Antiquarian blog. Our theme song is the traditional folk ballad Three Ravens, performed by Eleanor Conlon and Ben Harbour, and our logo is by Ollie James Dare. The Three Ravens podcast is a Rust and Stardust production, produced by me, Martin Vaux. Thanks for listening. God sent every gentleman Such hounds, such hawks, and such lean men With a down, derry, 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 down, down
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.